Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race burpee-free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, Spartans? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and thanks for tuning in to episode 20 of the Underground SGX Show. Our sponsor for this episode is Mobilitas, your new favorite mobility tools. Uh, if you want to check out some of their products, you can head over to our website at www.spartanunderground.com mobility and check out a few of the products that they offer on helping you improve your flexibility, mobility, helping you feel better. And while you're over there, you can check out the show notes for this episode and all of our podcast episodes. Uh, the specific site for this episode is going to be at spartanunderground.com episode dash 20. It's hard to believe that we're 20 episodes in this uh, podcast. You know, when I started, I wasn't really sure what what I was going to do with it. And 20 episodes in and we are approaching 6000 downloads to the show. I want to thank you for for tuning in and listening. I hope that it's helping you out. Um, You know, I'm not a techie person. It was a lot of figuring out how to how to put this all together. But when I started Spartan race, Spartan racing, I just was such so attracted to it and got certified as a SGX coach and it's just crazy and I've mentioned on previous podcasts how running has always been such a weakness of mine and when I was back in college I was I was a pretty elite high jumper all american could could jump over 7 feet it, you know it always came easy to me um, but when I was asked to run for any of my training you know to running a mile was a joke and it's I, I knew I could run um, I just really didn't want to, and it, it just felt terrible. So um, it was just not something I ever thought I would do. And, you know, I, I still have never run anything longer than a, a 10K for just a traditional road race. But now, you know, with a couple of beasts under my belt and thinking about when I'm going to do the Ultra Beast, it's just kind of funny how um, how this kind of just took to me and I was able to do it. And I still don't enjoy running. Um, I do it as part of my training. And I, I love getting all these other coaches on here to find ways to train to improve running um, when it's something that you're not not super strong at. And and I think that's the key is working on your weakness. And I know that my weakness is running, so it's always something that I'm trying to improve. And and you'll probably see that with a lot of what we talk about on the episode is I know I'm not the only one that really struggles with the running aspect of it. So I want to make sure I include lots of tips and strategies for you guys to get better at at running because. Bottom line, this is a race, and you've got to do a lot of running if you want to get better at it. But um, don't worry, we'll also talk about how to get better at those obstacles as well. But um, again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already, please subscribe to the show so you get notification each time an episode is released. I try and get them out about once a week. Um, And also, please give me a rating in iTunes or wherever you might be listening. If you enjoy the show, if you picked up a couple tips, um, I'd love to hear about it. So please give me a rating on there. And as always, we have another awesome episode for you today. Uh, In this episode, in our resource of the week, I'm going to show you a cool website and actually an app that goes with it, but a a calculator on how you can determine your appropriate pacing based on the type of training that you're performing and the type of adaptations that you may be looking for. So a pretty cool app that you should definitely check out. In our research of the week, we're going to finish out talking about the big three for improving endurance. So if you haven't checked out the last couple episodes uh definitely uh i'll put a link in our show notes so you can check those out but the big three again were vo2 max 
running economy, and lactate threshold. So this episode, we're going to finish it out talking all about lactate threshold, what it is, and the research out there, what to make of it, and how you can use it to help improve your endurance. And then finally, in our SGX coaches interview, I have the fitness diva. We have SGX coach Stephanie Marshall Lozon from Canada, and she is going to be on to talk about working with uh, masters athletes. So if you are 40 plus, maybe some strategies that you want to consider uh, to stay fresh, stay injury free, and really work on longevity and and being able to compete for as long as as you want. Um, we also talk about uh, she actually gives a pretty amazing kind of step by step template for you to build off of for designing your program. So it's pretty cool. She t- she explains exactly how she puts together the different phases of her program and uh, preparing for for your ultimate race and the race season. So perfect timing with the season just getting kicked off. Uh, We talk about that plus a whole lot more. So with that being said, let's jump right into episode 20 of the Underground SGX Show. All right, and as I mentioned, this week's resource is uh, an awesome website and an app that goes with the website, but it's uh, runsmartproject.com slash calculator. And I'll, I'll put, again, put a link in the show notes to this and the app that comes with it, but it's uh, Jack Daniels VDOT running calculator. And no, not the Jack Daniels from, from Tennessee, but uh, from the author of the book, The Running Formula. And this is a pretty cool calculator to determine the pace that you should be running based on the type of training that you want to do. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that not all runs that you do and not all workouts should be equal. Some are going to be at higher intensity, some some are going to be at lower intensities, and you should be planning for that throughout your programs based on the adaptation that you're trying to do. Um, and we'll talk more about that when we get into lactate threshold training later in this episode. But this this calculator, basically all you do is put in a previous time that you did in a, in a given race. So this, this, this would not be for an obstacle course race time because obviously there's things getting in your way of running, but hopefully you've run like a 5k or a 10k or even a half marathon or marathon, something like that recently where you can put in your, your time that you did and it'll determine your pace that you ran that time in. And once you calculate it, it's going to give you a whole bunch of different options for, for pacing. So it'll give you your race paces, which is great, but what, what I think is even more beneficial is looking at the training recommendations that it gives you. So it's going to give you um, different pacing for a mile, 1,200 meters, 1K, 800, 600, 400, all the way down to 200 meters. So based on the type of running that you distance that you might be doing for maybe your intervals or your repeats or, or whatever you have planned there. And then it's going to give you the type of running running that you're doing for that workout. So maybe you're doing an easy run. Um, maybe you're doing threshold training, maybe you're doing intervals, maybe you're doing repetition runs. So whatever it might be, those are different workouts. They have different goals. So you should be running at different levels for each one. So it's going to give you the exact pace that you should be running for those different types of workouts. So, uh, for example, um, the last 5k I did, I ran it in, uh, 20 minutes and 40 seconds. So if I put that in here and I calculate, it'll give me my pace is about, uh, a 640 pace that's my mile time um, that I was that I was running during that 5k race when I click over to the the training recommendations so I have my 
my different uh, types. So if I go to like threshold training, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, maybe I'm going to be running 800 meters at a time. Uh, so it's telling me my pace should be 331. So that's my goal for threshold training. Um, if I'm doing intervals, or um, if we move down down to higher intensity, now it's telling me for that same distance, 800 meters, I should be shooting for a 314 pace. And then if I'm doing repetition runs, I should be at a 302, right? And I can go down. If I'm doing uh, 200 meter sprints, my threshold training should be about 53 seconds and all the way down to my repetition will be about 46 seconds. So it's pretty cool. It's just at least giving you a goal that you should be reaching for with each uh, workout that you do versus just getting out there and well, I'm just gonna run as hard as I can uh, without a plan. Uh, so this is just an awesome tool I thought that I wanted to share with you guys to uh, just try it out, um, download the app or just go to the website, pick a time that you, or pick a distance and a time that you have done previously. Don't, try not to guess because you don't wanna put something that you can't quite do or maybe you put something in from like five years ago and you haven't been running as much. So try and keep it as accurate as possible so it doesn't give you these times that are just going to to kill you when you're when you're doing your, your training, right? We we want some of these to be hard, but not all of them are going to be all out. And um, if, if all those definitions didn't make sense, like threshold, interval, repetition, they actually have definitions for all of those in the site. So you just click on it and it'll tell you exactly what they mean by that terminology. So pretty simple to use, very user-friendly, um, but try it out. So so figure out your, your pacing time. And then next time you go for a workout, figure out the distance that you're going to be doing. And now you know what speed you should be running at. So um, again, you will find the links to the app and the website in the show notes at www.spartanunderground.com slash episode 20. All right. In this week's research review, we're going to kind of build off of our resource of the week. And as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about lactate threshold and lactate threshold training. So as you remember, we've been talking about the big three for improving endurance. So if you want to run for longer, improve your running endurance, improve, improving your racing, you need to do things that will improve your VO2 max, improve your running economy, and then improve your lactate threshold. So we've talked about the first two. We're going to finish it off with the third one today with lactate threshold. And again, I'll try not to get too much into physiology, but it's good to know what lactate is and what the lactate threshold is. Um, essentially, lactate is going to be a byproduct when you produce energy through glycolysis which is burning sugar so when you're doing exercise at higher intensities you start using glycolysis more and more and which isn't a big deal at the end of that process you'll have something called pyruvate which actually further is broken down to be used uh, for aerobic energy production. So normally there's this balance where you, you create a pyruvate by breaking down sugar and then you use that with aerobic metabolism to creating even more energy. The problem is, is when exercise intensity gets too high, you can't get rid of this pyruvate quick enough. So pyruvate is actually then turned into lactate. And a lot of people have probably heard of lactic acid. So we're, it's not the same thing, but for our purposes, we're going to just consider them the same thing, that lactic acid. But uh, So from pyruvate, we get lactate, and this is going to go into the bloodstream, and it could be, again, uh, transferred to the liver and used for more energy or, or 
something else down the road but it gets to a point where this lactate just starts to to build up and that'll eventually become a problem and fatigue is going to set in because of that and prevent you from performing at the intensity that you're you're trying to and uh, you know, this is why you can't maintain a really fast pace for a long amount of time. You're just not going to be able to to get rid of that lactate and and keep creating energy at that rate. So lactate threat lactate threshold is the point where your blood starts to increase the amount of lactate, right? So the the pyruvate is being converted into lactate, and and now all of a sudden you have more lactate in your blood. Um, so for some people, if you've been working out for a while, you're trained, you're more of an athlete you're gonna experience lactate threshold at much higher intensities. So you'll see things from like 80 to 90% of your, of your max heart rate. Um, if you're untrained, haven't been doing things, you will experience this much earlier, maybe like 50 to 60% of your max heart rate. So uh, obviously that's a big deal. If, if this lactate threshold occurs at much lower intensities, you're not gonna be able to run as fast for as long. So uh, the higher we can get your lactate threshold, the faster you will be able to run and and still get rid of this lactate. So we'll have a better balance of, of anaerobic and aerobic metabolism. Um, so that's that's essentially what lactate is. And I don't want to get too involved with, with physiology here, but um, this is why I brought up that resource of the week because you, you're not going to be going in for blood work and really knowing when these intensities are occurring. But you can use things like that, that VDOT calculator that will give you your approximate pace so you know what your lactate threshold will be. It's not going to be the same uh, intensity that you would do for like 100% of your VO2 max. It'll be about 60% of that, and that's kind of what that calculator is showing there. So again, you don't really have to worry about those numbers. Um, use something like that calculator. Or if you've ever heard of uh, um, perceived exertion scales, a rating of perceived exertion, you would be at about a, a level 13 to 15 out of a 20, right? So that's that's somewhat hard to hard, right? So you're not going all out, but you're you're running at a pretty good pace. And uh, some people basically would just say this is the pace that you would be able to maintain for about 20 to 30 minutes or so. So it's it's a good pace, but you couldn't be doing this for for a super long period of time, right? You just wouldn't be able to to maintain it. So it's almost like a really long, I don't want to say sprint because you're not sprinting, you're just at a, a good pace. It's uh, Some people call it race pace, right? Because you usually run a little bit faster during a race like a 5k or 10k, something like that. So so that's your lactate threshold and there, there actually is studies all over the place on the best ways to improve it. Some are going to tell you that you should be training slightly above your lactate threshold. Some will say train right at it. Some will even say train train below it so it's it's hard to really know what exactly we should be doing so i just wanted to bring up one study a couple things that they found um, and then we'll kind of bring it all together so this was back in 2007 from the journal of science and medicine and sport and the title of this study was manipulating high intensity interval training effects on vo2 max lactate threshold and 3000 meter running performance in moderately trained males so this was just looking at men and they were not elite athletes but they weren't untrained couch potatoes they they were at least doing something and, and knew how to run and and were uh, had some base conditioning so this was a 10-week program that they put them through and they divided the group up into into three groups so they had two interval groups and then a control group so group one they did um, 
uh, intervals, they did eight rounds at 60% of their VO2 max velocity. So again, this is right around that lactate level, that lactate threshold level. And then they did about a one-to-one -one work to rest ratio. So they were basically running at that velocity as long as they could maintain it, and then however long they could maintain it, they would rest that same amount of time, and they did that eight times. That was their workout. Uh, group two, they did um, higher intensity, so they were doing 12 rounds, 30 seconds of 130% um, of their VO2 max. So these were uh, pretty much all out 30 second sprints that they were doing, so very high intensity. And then they would rest about four and a half minutes between sprints. And then finally, you had your, your control group that they were doing 60 minute runs at more of a moderate pace. Um, and then they wanted to look at, uh, just like the title said, what were the effects on lactic threshold, VO2 max, and 3,000 meter running time. So they did see um, improvements for, for group one was actually the only group that saw improvements in everything. Right, so this was the group that was doing about 60% of their VO2 max. So right around that lactate threshold, they were seeing improvements in VO2 max, uh, the velocity they were running at their VO2 max, and their uh, 3,000 meter time improved, but also their lactate threshold uh, velocity improved. So the, the amount of speed that they were carrying at that particular intensity. Uh, group two saw improvements in their VO2 max and 3,000 meter time but they did not see improvements in the lactate threshold, right? And then group three didn't see any, any significant changes in any of the things that they were looking for. So I think that kind of summarizes what, what we need to consider with lactate threshold training. And yes, there's studies that will show different things, but if you wanna get better at something, you need to train at that uh, particular thing. So if you know what your lactate threshold velocity is, so the pace that you should be running um, to hit that level, you need to be training at that probably at least one day a week with your with your program, right? So I'm not saying you should never train above it, right? Because we know your VO2 max will improve when you're training at velocities closer to your VO2 max or above it. So just make sure your training is reflecting the goal that you're working on. So if you're trying to improve VO2 max, right, train at those higher intensities. If you're trying to improve uh, lactate threshold, you're going to back it off a little bit and train more at those moderate to moderately hard intensities. So again, you're, you're not going to know your exact level, so use that rating of perceived exertion. So you're at a 13 to 15 out of 20, or figure out using those calculators that we talked about in the resources to see what your particular pace would be to hit that level. And if you want to get high tech, there are new things out there that will get more specific to what, what your lactate levels are. And um, I'll put a link in the show notes, but one of the very first resources that I mentioned on, on one of the first podcasts that we released was um, technology that actually did this, where it's like a, almost like a compression sleeve that you would wear around your calf. And using light, it'll actually detect changes in the blood and, and gives you readings. So it's a Pretty cool thing. I, I admit I have not played around or experimented with it at all, but there is actually research showing that it is pretty accurate with its um, ability to detect lactate thresholds. So again, if you want more info on that, you can uh, check out all the info in the in the show notes for that. But to kind of summarize the big three, just make sure you are focusing on improving these things if you want better endurance. So 
you need to do things that improve running economy. You need to do things that improve lactate threshold, and you need to do things that improve your, your VO2 max. So the main thing is don't just don't be generic and don't do the same workouts over and over again because you can't do everything with one just with, with just one workout you need to mix it up right you need to have a specific plan for a specific goal so you can repeat those workouts but if you're going to run say three times a week have three sp specific goals for each workout not well i'm just going to go on an hour run as, and see how far i can go or something like that Right, so try and be as specific as you can, and uh, and try that out when you start designing your your own workout programs, and and see see how much better this improves your running ability versus just kind of randomly getting out there and, and going on a run. Alright guys, it's time for our SGX Coaches interview, and as I mentioned earlier, this week I am with the fitness diva, SGX Coach Stephanie Lozon. Uh, Stephanie has a, a wide variety of experiences and, and certifications helping her athletes get better, and has actually sent several Masters athletes to the OCR World Championships, and she's been racing and training in, in the OCR world for several years. And I do want to apologize during this interview. Um, we had some audio issues. There's a little bit of feedback and echoing. I, I try to edit it the best I could. Um, so hopefully you don't notice too much, but I just wanted to, to bring that out there and apologize. And I'm not a, I'm not a techie person. I'm a Spartan. I'm just trying to put these podcasts together the best I can. So hopefully all that matters is the content that, that you have on here. And, um, Coach Stephanie really gives some great tips on helping you design your own program. We talk about a, a variety of different topics, but pay attention to the the template that she gives you. She gives you a great way to, to break out each phase of your program and tells you exactly what you should be uh, working on in, in each phase. So it's it's it at least gives you the insight on how a coach might put together a program so you can start looking at your own training and seeing if you're following something similar and if not how you might be able to tweak it so again sorry for the audio issues but i hope you guys enjoyed this interview all right coach stephanie how you doing today hi mike how are you so nice to see you <laughs> yeah definitely thank you so much for uh, jumping on the call with me today i know you're going to provide some awesome info to our listeners and I'm, I'm excited to get started let's get started with uh, a little bit more about you what what's your background how did you get started with spartan racing well it's a bit of a longish story um i used to be a registered nurse and i worked in ottawa ontario and i was working with war veterans and they were palliative obviously so i dealt a lot with the dying and held many hands and i actually did love the job because uh Anyways, it was rewarding in a different way. Um, and then I moved to a small town, Owen Sound, Ontario, about 30,000 people. And my husband's a surgeon, and we had two young children, and uh, I stayed home with them. He was working, obviously, long hours. And so I would go to the gym a lot with the kids. And uh, I was one of those housewives that uh, always, you know, had to wear the cute little outfit and uh didn't want to break a sweat or anything, but it was just there doing the motions. And for some reason or another, it piqued my interest when I heard they were offering um, a fitness course to be a group fitness instructor or a personal trainer. So I took that out of personal interest and it just one thing led to another and I loved it. And I became this woman now that wanted to lift weights, not scared of getting bulky or sweaty. 
and it was just liberating. Um, and it just kept continuing. And then I started volunteering at the YMCA as a spin instructor and uh, doing a bit of personal training. Awesome. And awesome. yeah, so that's kind of my fitness background. And then I just keep taking courses. So it's uh, it's never ending, as you must know. There's always something more to learn. So Definitely. yeah. So what drew you to Spartan Race Training? Spartan, well, um, Spartan is not well known here. Um, I was talking to Dr. J about that. I think we need to get something out there, but um, obstacle course racing is. So uh, I was just uh, with a friend one day and she mentioned she was at this ski resort very close to us called um, Blue Mountain. And they were having a an obstacle course race where you got dirty and you climbed hills and went over things. And it was a lot of fun. And I had never heard of it before. And it was their first year doing it. And she said, I couldn't imagine how much better I would have done if I trained. <laughs> so I started thinking about that and signed myself up and thought, let's see if I can do this and help people learn how to get better at this. So I did some research and I got a group of people together locally. And I said, let me train you all for free. Let's figure this out. What can we do and join as a Fitness Diva team? That's when I started my business, Fitness Diva, because I will admit I'm a bit of a diva. I didn't like to get dirty or sweaty, as you know, So, but let's have fun with it. So, And so I do cater to women like that, too, and just show them what they can do. But So we got a team together, and we got these bright yellow and pink tank tops, and the team had a great time. We did very well. Everyone, um, it just brought us all together. And uh, so I kept doing that for a couple of years. And uh, then I had about my husband, my son, who's 16 at the time, uh, and a client qualified and were invited to the OCR World Championship in Ohio two years ago. So we thought that was quite an honor and how can you pass that down? So I did my best training them, but again, I was not a Spartan coach at this time. And off we went. We uh, got a car from a local Ford dealership, Montgomery Ford, helped us out, and we traveled from our small town to Ohio, and it took us two days to get there. Uh, we arrived at the venue, and our jaws dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, overwhelming what we got into, and... Uh, quite a challenge. Plus it was on the verge of snowing for this OCR race and uh, cold So and wet elements. So um, the guys went and did the race with every other country there and we felt like little fish in a big pond. <laughs> and every, everyone completed it. Uh, they lost their bands and it was pretty traumatic. I saw so many athletes dropping and hypothermia, heart attacks, it was just uh, scary. So I got my boys home and to the hotel, warmed them up, and uh, my poor son was urinating blood for 24 hours after this wow. race. So it was brutal. So then on the drive home, we had a lot to think about. So in between loosening up the muscles, because everybody's seizing up at this point. Um, so we decided I need to, I need more as a coach. So I did some research and I saw Spartan. And OCR does this, sounds like it was a perfect program for me. And uh, I took it through the winter thinking it's gonna be a quick little course. It was online with Dr. J. 
And uh, lo and behold, it was probably one of the best courses I've ever taken. And no, it wasn't a one day thing. This was a lifetime thing. And three months later, uh, passed the exam and excited to try out the program. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what we did last year. We started in the spring and um, I have an older crowd. Uh, some people, most are over 40, some over 50. And this year we followed the Spartan training program, everything I was taught and put together. And uh, we had, I don't know, about, I think majority of my group qualified for the OCR Worlds and uh, a few kept their bands and uh, did very well. So, and these are people that were an average desk worker, well overweight, and then now um, completing quite the course. So. It was uh, life-changing for all of us, and uh, yeah, so in the middle of this, though, I do admit, we, we do have a local Spartan in Toronto now, and so we did the Sprint and the Super uh, as a group that year, and even met up with some friends from Halifax in the East Coast that we've been training, I've been training, one lady who's also over 50, online only, and uh she did absolutely incredible at Spartan and at the OCR World Championship. So, All right, well, so it paid off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it sounds like you've gone through quite an experience from your start with OCR racing and training and, and to where you are right now. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's like I said, it's always been a learning experience. Uh, of course, we had a few injuries um, with the group. Uh, so we're really moving on... Um, injury prevention obviously so we're in off-season training right now working on foundation up developing uh, you know uh, flexibility and strength and uh, trying to instead of jumping right into hardcore workouts all the time perfect and I definitely want to talk more about your program design and how you set up periodization but you've covered a couple things that I just want to ask you a few more questions about if you don't mind uh starting with your former job sure uh, that might have that, that's a little or, or a big jump to go from being an rn and dealing with the people that are dying to uh, a spartan coach and a fitness coach but i'm sure you learned some lessons from that job that you can carry over into this one to help people out and I just wanted to kind of see your experience with that. Well I again these were war vets I was with and hearing some of their stories and uh, all that they've accomplished in life and I think as we grow older sometimes too I believe in what a shame it would be not to see what your physical body can do mentally and physically obviously with OCR um, and 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 show yourself really and I think it can help a lot with the aging process and depression and um, just, again, feeling good about yourself and accomplishing something. Yeah, and I think you see people where their lives just kind of get turned around when they take on a challenge like this where they maybe thought they could never do something like this and then they just try it. And whether they do, you know, make it through no obstacles or, or complete them all, they get to the end a little bit different, a little bit changed, which is just a cool thing to see people go through oh it's that's the most rewarding part of this job um, another aspect about it I call myself more of a coach I'm not the athlete I I like doing races but it's more about uh, for me and my pleasure in this is seeing uh, the program design work the science behind it 
getting people ready and seeing that reaction of pride and enjoyment at the end to celebrate. So that's where I get my high uh, of just seeing uh, people putting in that hard work and, uh, and getting rewarded. Awesome. So I want to talk about, so Fitness Diva is your brand name. And so you admitted that you are a little bit of a diva, but now you don't mind getting money, uh, muddy, correct? Not at all. All right. Not so at all. It's funny. I've, I've come uh, completely around, so it's kind of a joke name, Fitness Diva. Um, we also have men on the team, obviously, that don't want to be a diva. So they're divos. We give them that name. And we all have nicknames, actually, in our group. Uh, you earn it through the training process, and we all agree on what they should get, something usually funny on their T-shirt. But, uh, yeah, so it started that way, and after I did my very first uh, OCR race, which was the Metcon, there was no Spartans at that time, uh, I remember my parents in tears seeing me come through that muck and doing all that because they never thought they'd see that in a million years <laughs> from the girl playing Barbie dolls to that. So, you know, it was great and it's liberating and it just shows me what I'm capable of as well. Awesome. So I have to yeah. ask, how do you convince a diva or a devo to get muddy and, and complete a race like this? Because I'm sure we may have some listeners I remember, that yeah, are there I, or that they know somebody yeah. that we're trying to convince to do it with them. I have fun with it, actually. Uh, one of my closest friends who was a client who uh, is now a good friend, uh, she always has her beautiful lipstick on. And every uh, OCR picture, even in the mud, she's looking fabulous. But I always say, have fun with it. I remember us crawling under some barbed wire and some mucky mess. And I think the venue was in Las Vegas in a horse barn. And I remember her saying, oh my gosh, Steph, what in the heck are we doing crawling in this? There's probably horse poo in this. God only knows what. And I said, okay, mind over matter. We're at the Four Seasons right now, getting a nice mud bath. <laughs> Change it around, you'll be fine. So we had a good laugh. So humor helps and bringing them in in small steps. And I think, honestly, once women see what they're capable of, it's another challenge to see what more they can do, quite honestly. So it works. Awesome. Awesome. Just a great mm -hmm. way to bring out the best in them and, and really see what they can do. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk about with, uh, so you mentioned the population that you typically work with, um, I'm not going to say older, but you said 40 plus or so. And I wanted to get your thoughts on training that particular yeah. population. So I know we have listeners that are going to be uh, over 40. And what are some things that maybe they should think about doing differently than maybe a 20-year-old would do? Or just any extra concerns that that person might want to be aware of before training for this type of race? Well, um, as I think you know and, and I know that as people get older, it's harder to put muscle on. And um, we lose it a lot quicker. So... Strength training programs are essential, um, but again, I like to build them up so we don't start out, you know, lifting super heavy, but building up and flexibility. Um, I knew we needed more of that, so I took a yoga course, got my level one, so I could use that to train with them out at parks and work really on our flexibility as well, and always warming up shoulders, hips. Um, those are our top injuries. So uh, that's, I guess, the only real difference about it. Plus, they're a great listening group. Um, 
that's why I love coaching. They actually listen. My kids don't, <laughs> but the but the clients do. So I'm happy, and uh, they're they're a smart group. So um, not much is different, other than I guess more warm up and uh, and working on uh, flexibility because mentally I find they're 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 pretty good. All right, awesome. Getting focused. Awesome. They're focused. <laughs> All right, gotcha. So let's talk about. You've mentioned a peer design program. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts. What what exactly do you mean by that? And how would you set up a, a peer design program for somebody? Well, right now we have a very small group training. So there's only four of us. And um, we get together. I bring them to my home gym uh, once a week uh, or every two weeks during off season. And we'll go up to three days a week together uh, during season. But Right now, our first race won't be until May, so we're we're training in the winter, and um, the days are short and it's cold. So I'm working right now with them on baseline strength training um, and less specific obstacle training, which is hard to convince them sometimes because everyone wants to play with the monkey bars and jump on over things, but. Um, they had a tough year and there's still some uh, injuries that need to be dealt with and, um, and and recovered fully. So I work more on strength right now and then we will be going into a stamina next and then we start adding, um, like I do more of a every four weeks program is how we're doing it right now. So uh, we build up each week. Week three would be our, our hardest week and then week four would be our deloading week. And, uh, and we continue that every month with a different focus of uh, one of the Spartan pillars, usually. So right now it's strength. So you would go from uh, your off-season, where you're focusing on injury prevention, getting a little baseline strength, fundamental response. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you're going to progress to some more stamina, muscle endurance, things like that. Um, and yes. then what would be your next step we always, that you go to? Yeah, yeah, and we're always including cardio, obviously. Um, we do cardio in different ways here. Um, treadmills can be super boring, so we go snowshoeing a lot. I try to bring the group together, and some are faster than others. So if you're faster, then you do burpees and wait for the rest of the crowd to get there. But we go out in the woods and uh, and and do, use the same trails that we use uh, in the spring and summer so we can watch the seasons and still get a great cardio workout. Uh, we do heart rate monitoring as well and um, like long steady state right this at this point. But uh, again, I find snowshoeing is excellent um, in the fact that once those snowshoes can come off and they can use regular running shoes, how much better they're going to feel and uh, have to get over the speed of the snowshoes right now, but in the long term, they're going to be a faster and better runner. Awesome. And does that take any convincing to get people out snowshoeing in the cold and the elements at all? We're Canadian. It's all good. <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> it's all good. No, yeah. uh, we, we actually did that. I had my group over Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve morning, we met at our local trail, and we did a great snowshoe and had everyone over for brunch afterwards. So. It's just uh, we make it social, and and they don't ever want to miss a workout. They're excited group, so it's it's great. Nice. You have to remember, I'm in Southern California, so we've had a couple yeah. weeks of like rain, and when I say rain, it it like drizzles a little bit, and nobody wants to go outside. Nobody can drive in it, so 
when I hear getting out in snow, if I said that to my clients, they would be freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a crazy group. Uh, They love anything to make it more difficult. I also live on a great lake and it can get cold and I'll make them jump off my dock, get wet, then do the rig. So, you know, you have to... You have to embrace the elements. Any race, you're going to be faced with something sucky. You're not going to like it. So the worst day possible are the days you should be getting outside and doing your workout. And they're honestly great with it. So I'm just blessed with a great bunch. That's awesome. So getting out, snowshoeing, um, jumping in the water when it's cold. uh, Anything else you're doing to help them deal with the elements at all? Uh, Always a hill climb. Uh, getting dirty, muddy, we have a culvert, I'll put a little fake snake in it to scare them once in a while. (laughs) Be prepared for the unexpected is what we're always uh, aiming for and uh, because every race you know is different and you're going to be faced something that you weren't prepared for so how are you going to deal with it? That's awesome. I hope none of my clients are listening to this right now because I'm definitely going to hide snakes. wherever I can or, or whatever I can think of. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. So uh, I just want to keep going with your, your program. So um, we injury prevention, we build that baseline, we're working on stamina and cardio. Uh, as we get closer and closer to the race, now what are we starting to incorporate? Then we start going obstacle specific and we have our ropes and our, our, our monkey bars, our rig. And through the winter as well, we're working on um, um, uh, contraction of all the back muscles, shoulder muscles, so you're not doing dead hangs, but really uh, using your scapular retraction. So once they're ready with that, then we go to the specific obstacles and start doing uh, half half of it. So the rope, you know, maybe not all the way up yet, but come up a bit, come down slowly. Um, and also with the rig, some hangs. Um, they love doing the Murph workout, so <laughs> they want to do that, but, um, and just building up that way. And usually come uh, May, they, they should be ready to get started and uh, bring that all together. Awesome. So you said you're building up to like maybe three days a week, you're, you're seeing your clients. So as we get yeah, closer I, to I, race season, are you doing... Um, all obstacle-based training, is it still a mix of, of strength and cardio? Most, yeah, we're mostly doing um, body weight at this point. Uh, we've leaned up, we're, we've got our strength built up, um, trying to get everyone at their ideal weight by, by spring, because uh, obviously the more you weigh, the more you're going to have to carry so and pull. But uh, that's, yeah, we basically do obstacle and I will have them over and do a mock course. Uh, again, I live on a very steep hill on a big piece of property and we've built uh, a hoist. We have the rope, we've got the um, Trevolian Traverse, uh, the stairs. Uh, again, we have water elements, the cargo climb, culverts. So we do a mop race and try and get them ready that way. Um, and they can start timing themselves and seeing where their strengths and weaknesses are and then building up with that working on it. Awesome. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, so each phase of your training, you said you typically will go about four weeks, where it's three three weeks of build, building intensity, then a deload de week, and then moving on to the next phase. Yes, and then each person has different goals or races they're doing, so that gets a little more individualized. And thankful I have a, a small group, so I can help them with that. Who should be deloading and resting? Who should be you know going at their max this week? And uh, so we try to work around each person. And um, again, we, we uh, keep to get connected online. Uh, we all live locally, so that helps. Uh, I don't have anyone online only right now. And uh, each weekend, I write out their program for them and send it. And uh, they basically have to get these certain workouts done in that week. And I try to encourage the group to get together if we're not together to get two of them together that are on a similar um, level and do it as uh, partners. So, and it happens to be working pretty good that way. So they've uh, connected. Yeah. Um, we haven't, uh, on this podcast, we've, we've talked about deload weeks a little bit, but not too much. I'd love to get your insight on what exactly are you doing in a deload week? Deload week. Well, by deloading week, you should be complaining that everything hurts, and that's usually what's happening. So uh, obviously, we've torn down a lot of muscles, and, uh, and if they aren't ready for deloading, then something didn't go right week three. So... Uh, <laughs> uh, we do a lot of yoga. Um, I encourage trail walks, um, just just not going hard that week. Maybe a very light strength workout, uh, steady state cardio if things are okay, or rowing or biking instead of uh, running on the knee joints and uh, damaging any more that way. But still keeping up cardio and strength, but a little less workouts that week and more on um, recovering of uh, muscles and that's your week you get your massage or whatever makes you feel comfortable so awesome so i know and i deal with this with my clients and even myself sometimes you don't always want to take that deload week because you feel like it's going to set you back and you're going to lose when in fact you're, you're going to get better by taking that rest yes. but how do you convince people that maybe you're fighting you a little bit that i don't need this week yeah. off i need to keep pushing, what would you tell them? So how do I convince people to deload and take that recovery week? That is a really tough one. And um, once again, some don't listen. And it's, I think, especially important to start deloading a week before a race. And they're feeling great and they, they want to keep going and do more and um, trying to convince them, yeah, that it's tough. So basically, I try to show them the science um, the evidence I tried, they'll do it trial and error and figure it out themselves as well. I try to work them so hard on week three that they actually look forward to week four now and plan get togethers that they're doing something, but nothing over the top. So they know we're all doing the same thing together, uh, tends to help a little bit. So, uh, going for a hike and discussing the rate upcoming race rather than doing a, a hardcore workout that day. Awesome. I think those are all great strategies. And uh, yeah, it's always a challenge to get people to back off um, where they just have that mentality, more is better. And we know that's definitely not the case. Another thing is train smart. We discussed that a lot. Um, you don't have to go hard every day uh, to to get results. And we see that and know that. But uh, use each workout efficiently to 
your goals and you know, to be your best. So there's a reason behind everything. So that does help Definitely. when we train uh, smart. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, trial and error, you know, if I'm having a really hard time convincing somebody, we can say, all right, this race, you do it your way and you just train as hard as you can all the way up yeah. the race. And then, but you have to promise the next race, I want you to try it with deload weeks and, and proper periodization. Exactly. That's great. Yes, I agree. All right. Awesome. So uh, one thing I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest mistake other than maybe not doing a deload week that people make when attempting to train for uh, a Spartan race or other obstacle course race? Uh, I think the mentality that the harder you go, the better you're going to be. Um, work out like crazy every day, seven days a week is I see that sometimes and I'm thinking that's not going to help them get any better uh it might even wear them out and tear them tear them down a bit and cause injuries so that that's my biggest thing i see that harder isn't always better yeah and, and i think um kind of how you were talking how you set up your programs too if you almost set like a theme for each phase it helps them buy into what they're trying to do so it it might help them understand hey the goal is not to just go all out because we're working more endurance or or no, now we are more, working more strength, or now it's more obstacles. But when they have that specific goal um, and they've bought into that, it's, it's easier to keep them on track. Exactly. And I think that's why fitness assessments are so important too. When they start with me, everyone gets a journal and we do, we test our power, our endurance, our strength, uh, et cetera, and, uh, and, and, and just see see the results over time um, helps them see what they're doing is actually working for them. All right, awesome. All right, so what is what's your favorite obstacle personally to do? Mine, I I think the Hercules hoist because I again everyone likes what they're better at and I'm strong so uh, <laughs> probably that and monkey bars because they are a little bit of a hero one that you know oh my gosh I got through the monkey bars um, so those are my favorites I would say. Awesome. Uh, what about least favorite? Oh, dirty water things. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know what? The balance beam. I anything with balance and those wobbly beams. I, there's something psychological that gets me on those. So, because those are pretty wobbly. <laughs> All right. Oh, definitely, they're a challenge. It's it's those simple ones sometimes that you just get overconfident yeah. or just lose your focus for a second, and then that's it. Well, they're certainly wobbly here. I'm assuming they are in the U.S. too, but it's, it's so we do have that on our own course too, just to show people uh, what to expect. It's not going to be a solid balance beam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, last question. If you had somebody, it was their first race, and what would be one piece of advice you would give them before they race? I would be give yourself a few months at least to get prepared. Uh, do some research, but not too much research. Sometimes too much is uh, not a good thing. But to find um, someone that has done a race or two, um, preferably even a coach in your area if you can, and that helps you meet uh, like-minded people that are also doing the same thing, and you're surrounded by people training just the way you should be training, so it helps encourage you. And, um, and even doing a race, not worried about time or speed, but just accomplish it. And, and work up uh, as your base foundation of races. And you've got something to look forward to the next one. All right, awesome. Um, well, I lied. One more question. 
Uh, is there okay. anything that I should have asked you that I didn't, or any final last words before we uh, end this? No, I think what you started is great. I I listen to all your podcasts, and I I'm I'm happy that Spartan has started this, and I've met so many coaches. Uh, in fact, I I was with Chris Judy today at his gym, and he gave me a strength training session, and he's been helping me out as well. So there's so much to learn, and this brings us all together, and I, I think you're doing awesome. So thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. And, um, yeah, this is definitely a great community and a great thing to be a part of. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on here today. If our listeners have any uh, questions or want to reach out to you, is there a way that they can get a hold of you, contact you, or learn more info? I, I have a Fitness Diva page. Um, that's how most people contact me or find me. Uh, or email me at stephanie-fitness. No, sorry, stephanie um, at fitness-diva.ca. Um, but probably easier just to go on Facebook, I guess. Okay, awesome. And I'll put links to uh, to your Facebook page and website so people can check it out and get a hold of you that way. And for anyone listening, you can find this episode's show notes at spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 20. All right, well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on, and hopefully we uh, see you at a race coming up soon. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 20 of the Underground SGX show. I want to thank you guys for listening, and thanks to our SGX coach, Stephanie Lozon, for coming on, sharing her insight, and giving you guys some tips on how to improve your Spartan race training. I also want to thank our sponsor, Mobilitas. If you need any mobility tools, definitely check out some of their products. You won't regret it. Um, Just go to spartanunderground.com slash mobility to check out all that they offer. And if you want to see any of the links that are mentioned in this episode, just go to the show notes at spartanunderground.com slash episode dash 20. Uh, We'll be back again next week with another great episode. Again, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss it. And feel free to give us a rating in iTunes or however you might be listening to the show. I would greatly appreciate it. Hopefully you guys are getting excited for your first race of the 2017 season. And I hope that this podcast is helping you a little bit along the way. Uh, That's it for now, and we will see you next time.